back again tonight, and uh, we had a good afternoon. Um, we went out and got some lunch this afternoon, and then uh, um, we run into Dallas at Walmart, and uh, that's the thing about this part of Illinois, you never know who you're going to run into, right? But I tell you, it's not a lot different in Nebraska. Anytime you walk into the store, it's like, who's going to see me, you know? And, and everyone else says, oh, no, it's the pastor, right? You know, but uh, no, it's... Uh, Good, good to be home. It's, it's in, always interesting to see the different things that change around town, you know. Yesterday, I made a distinct, well, a couple days ago, I made a distinct point to drive through Pena, and boy, Pena's had a facelift, that's for sure. But, um, and then, of course, this and that added to in Shelbyville, and um, Tower Hill's always Tower Hill, I think, but uh, um, it, is, it is good to be home. Always good to see things changing here in good ways, and updates on this and that, and uh, the parking lot looks nice, and uh, that's, a, that's a blessing, undoubtedly. And the, the church looks like a football field from a distance. When you see it now, you can pick it out like a sore thumb, and that's, that's not a problem at all. So uh, being a shining light in the darkness, amen, that's not a bad thing. I, I would ask you to continue to pray for my wife and I. The church we're in uh, was a church started in, in 1959. Um, the congregation is, uh, I would say, if, if not 50%, 60% or so are uh, first generation or so Christians. Some have been there since the beginning of the starting of the church, and then um, the others are their children, second generation. And we have a few others here and there, but uh, the work is so much of a revitalization work. Um, many things have been done the same. We all have things that we've done the same for a while, but uh, they, I, I feel on, on somewhat of a different level, they've been done the same. And um, the training that the, the founding pastor and former pastor and things had was much different even than mine. The personality, much different. Uh, I'm a little bit more of a, uh, of a light-hearted fella, not that they, the other guys weren't, but um, uh, I think that's the, the biggest dynamic. So my approach on things, and you know, it has been a lot different. It's been an adjustment. They're getting to know, and uh, uh, they, they, we've, we've fallen in love with the people, and we see the opportunity there. Uh, they say in numbers about 27% of the people that live in Norfolk are uh, people between the age of, I think it's 25 and 35, something like that. And uh, the, the city of Norfolk is, though it's not growing, uh, uh, you know, tremendously, it, it is growing. And uh, it, there is, you know, as far as way of living there, people, there's a, um, a steel factory they have there and a big uh, grocery factory they have. A lot of factories somewhere like here. If you don't work on a farm, you're in a factory. And, um, and then there's a lot of little local places and chain restaurants and things that people are at. But the interesting of the church is that many of the people within the church are not even living in town, which tells you that uh, we've got a, you know, a, town, a, a city town of 27,000 people that they hardly, it seems, have even been reached, at least not in recent days. Uh, we've got about nine Lutheran churches just in Norfolk alone, and that is definitely the predominant religion. If you are not uh, Lutheran, then you're nothing at all. But almost everyone has some Lutheran something in them. And there's a few, uh, there's a Southern Baptist church and there's a few non-denominational churches, but uh, uh, outside of that, uh, we, we've got a real opportunity ahead of us. So uh, we've seen the Lord bless thus far. We, when we first got there, we started knocking on doors and uh, we, they had a couple vans and they were only picking up about four kids and we filled up both of the vans within a couple weeks. And, um, but since then, we've been praying and asking the Lord to bring some families with children. You see right now, those second, third generation are just a little younger than my wife and I, and most of them don't even have kids yet. Some are just starting, just like we are. And um, so the, the, the life is there, but the, the, the life and the children is not there. So we've been praying that God would bring some families 
with children. And it's been exciting to see, actually, you know, some we have found out door knocking, but others the Lord has just brought into the church. And, uh, yeah, there's, whether or not they join the church or they stay around, but it's always exciting to see new people coming. And so pray with us about that. We've got about um, six or seven families that are kind of on the burner, so to speak. You see them one week, you miss them the next week, see them one week. Uh, but a lot of discipleship and uh, just loving them and um, teaching them, you know, the importance and being faithful and, and um, uh, praying, that, praying with them as they're going through the different things in their life. And so much of revitalization work. And the message I want to share with you tonight is uh, one that I've shared with our church and really along those lines of, uh, as we've been praying for people, uh, just seeing from the word of God what he says concerning these things. If you want to turn to Luke chapter number seven and uh, Luke chapter seven, we'll look together in verse number 36 in just a moment. Luke chapter seven, verse 36. I can remember uh, as a child, school was never really my thing for that matter. Uh, anything of, uh, you know, if it's a test of any kind, it was never really my savvy thing. Actually, uh, even this, this morning when Brother Morris was giving off the different things, I was never that great at keeping up with it or even writing it down and getting all the details. Uh, in college, I really was the guy. We had laptops, you know, so I'm always looking over at the next person, and, and I'm just a few notes always behind them when it came to those filling in the answers. And um, on some things, I can think well on my feet, but when it comes to somebody putting me on the spot, I'm like a deer in headlights sometimes, you know. And, uh, but I can remember, it, it, you know, we would always do the school videos because uh, we were homeschooled, right, one of those kids. And um, they, uh, uh, they, m mom used to always joke because the things that I would remember of the video was uh, always only what you know, the teacher wore or what was in the background or, you know, if something was different out of the ordinary, I could tell you every other thing in the book. Oh, she wore the same outfit last time I watched the video, you know. They must have done back-to-back -back things. I could always tell you tell you what, what things were different, you know, and kind of miss the whole main idea, you know. Uh, sometimes in college, I can remember that was, a, that would be, uh, if I'm not careful, I would just kind of forget why I'm there, you know, and get carried away on just the fun of college life, you know. Uh, one of the crazy things me and a couple guys did one time is there was a, there in Knoxville, there was an, a hospital that had uh, shut down, and um, I don't know, I think they moved locations, what it was, so there's this big several level hospital and uh, it really didn't look in that terrible of condition, but it was just sitting abandoned. And, you know, uh, guys being guys, we thought it was a great idea to go check out this hospital because uh, no, it's abandoned, right? There's nobody there. So we crawl over this eight-foot fence or whatever it was, me and three other guys, and, and we crawled to the back of this fence. And it's, the hospital kind of sat up alongside of a little river that runs through uh, uh, Nash, or, uh, Knoxville. That's what I'm thinking of, Knoxville. And, uh, but we get there, we come around the back of the hospital, and, uh, you know, we didn't really expect to go inside because we didn't think that anything would be opened up. But believe it or not, the door was just sitting on the latch. So it, it was practically wide open, you know. Now, me and my um, uh, not gutsy enough self, I didn't have, quite have the guts enough to go inside. Maybe I was too good of a person, I don't know. But I hid behind the, the air conditioning unit uh, with another guy while two of the other guys went in. And uh, they were in there for probably five minutes or so. For a second, we thought that maybe something happened to them, you know. But uh, uh, when they opened up that door, I still remember the lights, the fluorescent lights were literally blinking. It looked like something in a horror movie almost. And a bunch of stuff had been thrown out into the hallways. I, I would suspect we weren't the first people there. Somebody else probably had the same idea and came out with a few things while they were at it. But uh, uh, we were just in there to explore, at least they were. I was just there to hide. But uh, uh, as I remember, they came back out and uh, we couldn't hear a lot was going on. I remember the units were actually running. 
and for whatever reason that they were, but uh, so we could only but hear that vent running, and we saw the two guys there. I only but assumed we were on camera, you know, and we were going to get in trouble or something, and I'm getting a little nervous further along as it comes, but um, uh, they were kind of going back and forth and arguing, and I, one of the guys wanted to go back in, and he wanted to go upstairs, and wanted to check out the downstairs, and the other guy said, no, we need to go, and so finally they concluded we want, we're going we're gonna to leave, and so they went to turn back and put the door as it was, well, they let the door latch, and so you know, they thought, well, whatever great idea they thought it was, thought they needed to put it back exactly like it was. So the guy pulls his credit card out, and he starts shifting at the, the door to try to loosen, you know, to get that door open. Sure enough, he got it open, but he set up the alarm. And the alarm goes off, and you hear this voice of this lady, and it's the same, it's a, uh, you know, uh, something in, in alert of some sort, and you hear these sirens going off. And so next thing you know, those two guys are running, and we're right behind them, you know, run back up over the eight-foot fence and everything. And course, wouldn't you know, I'm driving my bright red Monte Carlo. I'm the one who had to drive. You know, I'm the getaway car, and, and it's a bright red car, so we didn't get found, believe it or not, but uh, there's a mo for a moment, you know, you almost forget the whole reason why you're in college. You know, you're, you're, just, you're just getting carried away on various things, and, and, you know, I remember even as a youth pastor, sometimes uh, you, would, you would try to tell the teenagers that, and, and you'd take them out to church camp, and, uh, you, you know, here we'd take a group of guys and a group of girls, and when you know this guy or this girl, they they suddenly found someone they think is the you know the love of their life, and they, they were together forever, and and you'd have to pull them aside and say, hey, wait a second, buddy. Remember, we're at church camp. We're not here to find a spouse right now, and and you're too young. You're only in sixth grade, and this isn't the love of your life as much as you may think it is. But uh, and you try to convince them, you know, why it why it wasn't, and they're they're missing that big picture. I've entitled the message tonight, Missing the Big Picture. And that, was the, that, that is so much the idea in the Christian life that sometimes we can miss the big picture. And sometimes we can miss the main idea of that which is needed, seeking to be accomplished or that which should be accomplished. Uh, when we consider a church and, and, and its an entity of what it is, what is its purpose? What is the big picture? When we consider our, our attending within church, what is the big picture? Why, are, why do you attend church? When we consider uh, the efforts that are made, the fellowships that are had within the church, the efforts that are made of the church, uh, what is the big picture in those things? When you consider your own Christian life, and we mentioned this a little bit this morning, but what is the big picture of your life? What is your intent of what you uh, are seeking to, your goals of seeking to accomplish for the Lord? And um, how true it is as a church, and that's where I would consider the thought tonight as a church, how true it is that a church can miss the big picture. And sometimes the vision is so clear or the opportunity is so clear, uh, but, the, but the big picture is lost. Uh, we can, we, if we're not careful, we can be a part of a God-ordained local church and miss the whole vision of the pastor. Or we can miss the whole intent of why we are there. Um, you know, uh, there should be a preparation, and I'm, I, this, isn't the entire, this isn't the message tonight, but there should be a pre preparation of our own hearts and minds um, with coming to the house of God. You know, we're resting our body so that we're rested for the next day to be able to come. You say, well, I can't rest my body if I'm working night shift. Well, you can, you can manage to do some form of rest. There are always things which we can do better <laughs> to help ourselves to, to give that better attention. Or maybe it's um, uh, uh, maybe just a matter of, um, you know, asking the Lord in prayer before coming to the house of God. Lord, speak to my heart today. Pulling your whole family aside, your, uh, your spouse aside and saying, hey, you know, let's ask God to speak to us before we walk into the building. Uh, maybe it's when you're already in the building. You know, uh, before I get too carried away on what I'm, what I'm doing or uh, thinking about where I'm going to go out for lunch after the service, let me, let me just ask the Lord to speak to me. Uh, think outside of the church. What about even 
you know, God, God makes it very clear we are to be obeying him. And yes, the Great Commission, and even in areas of being faithful to his word. And, uh, do we ask the Lord to prepare ourselves in that way? Sometimes we can miss the whole idea. We can seek to accomplish, you know. Uh, we can all be great with, uh, I've got to read two chapters of the Bible today. And if I don't read those two chapters, then I'm not finished. But sometimes we can get nothing out of those two chapters, uh, whereas we could have gotten so much more out of the time which we spent to do those, just reading one verse. And uh, uh, missing that big picture. It's in Luke chapter 7 that we find uh, a man uh, by the name of Simon who missed the big picture. Luke chapter 7 is not to be confused with John chapter 12 where we find in Luke 7, the uh, woman, her name not being told, but the woman with the alabaster box. Yet in John 12, we find Mary also uh, very similarly uh, with a box and then with her hair washing Jesus' feet. It's in Luke chapter 7 that we find um, that very familiar passage of this woman with the alabaster box. But rather than looking so much at the details of that which she did, could we consider tonight the actions of Simon? the man who missed the big picture. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse number 36. The Bible says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And when he went into the Pharisee's house, he sat down to meet. Now that Pharisee is Simon. His name has yet to be mentioned, but we're referring to him. Verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this, uh, this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. And one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly, or that word would be freely or graciously, forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head uh, with oil didst thou not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven." And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. I want you to notice verse 39 where the Bible says, Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it. Now one of those Pharisees, we remember, is the Pharisee Simon himself, the one to whom has invited Jesus over to his home. And that which he's seeing is different than that which Jesus saw. And that is no coincidence why Jesus says in verse 44, it says, and when he turned to the woman, he said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? You see, when Jesus looked at the woman, he saw one thing. But yet when Simon looked at the woman, he saw another. You see, it's when Jesus looked at the woman, he did not see uh, anything more than a sinner in need of Christ. But it's when Simon looked at that woman that he only saw the sin. Uh, you know, we, we could consider the message tonight as being 
thought and considered towards others, but remember that big picture. It was more than just the matter of, uh, of salvation of this woman, while that is the most important thing, but it was more than, than, than this that Jesus was trying to help Simon to understand. You're not seeing the whole thing. You're not understanding the whole thing. You're not seeing what I'm trying to help you to, uh, to see. You remember it was the disciples themselves who failed to see why that Jesus even came to this earth. They were so focused on all those miracles and all that he'd done that even up until the day that he died on the cross, it was they who fled uh, the, 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 after the crucifixion because they had not fully understood. They had failed to see the big picture. And I say we're coming to the end of another year. We're getting ready to approach into a new year where New Year's resolutions are made and, and where uh, thoughts are being made as what am I going to do new within this year? something I would challenge you with tonight, would we challenge ourselves to see the big picture of what we are seeking to accomplish in our Christian life, of what our pastors are seeking to accomplish within the church, that that would be the focus, that that would be the intent. And I see how easy it is we can just go through the motions of the Christian life and fail to see the entirety of it all. One of the things I know we've been trying to help our people within our church back in Nebraska to see is that these families who we have coming in, uh, I don't say this in a rude way, but they, they're coming with burdens. Uh, they're coming with baggage, as we might, may call it. They're coming with things that, though you've grown up as a Christian and, and you didn't have those difficulties, they're coming with things that maybe you haven't even fully experienced. But the big picture of it is not just to see, wow, look at, look at all the baggage which they're carrying. But see the big picture. What's the opportunity that God has given to us? Boy, uh, how easy it is even sometimes we hear a challenge in the, in the message of the Word of God and, and we fail to see the whole, the full picture. You know, the challenge is given, uh, but yet we only, you know, uh, man, the preacher's really going long tonight. Or, you know, oh man, I'm, I'm just so hungry right now. Or man, I got to go to work tomorrow early, you know. And we're, we're, th we're our, our minds are somewhere else. That, that big picture. Sometimes I have to realize even as a pastor that I, I've got to hit the reset button and remember why. Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I just going through the motions or am I remembering the big picture? It is Simon that we find uh, who, in many sense of the way, he had spiritually blinded himself. Now, this was not such a spiritual blindness, I don't believe, in the sense that he was not a Christian. I, I believe these Pharisees very likely knew Christ. They very likely knew the Lord. In fact, it is these individuals who are priding themselves in their knowledge of Christ but yet they had blinded themselves to see the big picture of what Jesus was seeking to accomplish. And notice that which Simon was blind to. The first was to God himself, to the Lord. It says in verse 39, Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet. You see, he thought Jesus to only be a man, and therefore a fraud. He, fa he failed to see that this was the Jesus, the very God of the universe, and and. In this failure, he failed to see uh, God through his miracles. It's in Luke chapter 7 that if we were to go back, in fact, why don't you just turn a, uh, just a page or so, maybe not even in your Bible, but Luke chapter 7, verse 3, that we find him just previous to this incident. The word of God says, And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Look down at verse number 9. The Bible says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to his house found the servant whole that had been saved. You see, Jesus has just done a, a tremendous miracle already up to this point, but yet in, 
Undoubtedly, these Pharisees and others, all these followers of Christ, that pe those people who are following Jesus everywhere he's going, they failed to see the big picture in this. And yet, there's, there, it's the Pharisee himself who's saying, well, if, if he was truly a, you know, if he was truly God, then, you know, uh, th this, he would be able to do much more than what he is. But they failed to see that miracle. And I say sometimes, even within the house of God, or within the work of God, or even within our own lives, we fail to see the miraculous things that God does in our life. I mean, we fail to see those, those bountiful blessings that, God's, that God brings. You know, God brings and allows things to happen for reasons, for specific reasons. Uh, Dr. Sexton used to always say, this is for that. God doesn't allow this to happen for that. Uh, it's also been referred to as the butterfly effect, where God allows one, intends for one thing to happen, yet another thing will happen as a result of that one thing happening. Uh, but as Christians, it's of importance that we see the big picture. Why is God allowing these things to happen? Uh, we look at our church. Why is God allowing the things in Knobs Baptist Church to happen? What is the big picture? Is it that God is trying to get our attention? Is, that God, is it that God is trying to stir us to do more? Or is it that God is trying to get me, as an individual, that is, to do more? We, we consider our own, our own lives. Why is it that God allows loved ones to pass? Or why is it that God allows loved ones to go through sickness? Or why is it that God allows financial difficulties to come in life or, or, or losses uh, of sorts to, to take place within our life? What is the reason that God is bringing this? What is the that for all of this? The big picture, the big picture. The Bible tells us that he failed to see God through his miracles, yet it's every day that God's doing miracles, amen? It's every day. And sometimes the most miraculous things are happening right under our nose, but we fail to see it. Secondly, notice he failed to see God in his love. In verse 30, the Bible says, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him, the Lord said, whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? We're in Luke chapter 7, in verse, uh, verse number 30 through 34. And to what are they like? They are likened to children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And ye say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking. And ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber a friend of publicans and sinners. You see, where the Pharisees treated others differently, it was Jesus who we find uh, showing an equal amount of love to all. The Bible tells us that God is no respecter of persons, and all God's people said, amen. There was no treatment of others in, that, in his difference of his love. May I say, as a Christian, sometimes we can miss the big picture and fail to share the love of Christ to others. Uh, we, we can only see what what we want to see. We can only see the differences as to, man, I would never get along with that person. Man, I have no commonalities with that person. Or man, look at the sin in that person's life. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The Bible tells us that he failed to see God in his love. As God so graciously and lovingly uh, blessed uh, and blesses, should I say even our lives, blessed Simon's life, yet he failed to see that it was God who was displaying his love to this to, to this woman and so they're looking at wow look at all these sinners to whom God is hanging around and and they're missing the whole opportunity that God had given to them uh, what what uh, I've shared with our church and we look at as I shared with you we look at a place like Norfolk Nebraska and and can let us not fail to see the big picture as to why God has given us a city that there are 
few and far between that are even coming directly from town. What is it that we need to do to be able to get in there? Somebody says, well, I, you need to knock doors. Somebody says, well, I can't knock doors. Somebody says, well, I'm not in the, at the age. Well, what is it that you can do? What can you do to make that difference? What is the big picture that God has within this? Somebody says, well, I don't understand. Why can't we have these ministries anymore? Why can't we do these things like we used to do? Why aren't the things the same like they used to be? Well, what is the big picture here? What is God trying to help us to understand and to see? And uh, so, so much of, uh, of what we find uh, in, in Simon's life is, can be so applicable to us, and even in this area of love. It's, it's not easy to love somebody who you know doesn't love you back. You know? It's not easy to love somebody who you don't know. Uh, but sometimes that love of Christ is, is, is being applied within our life is going uh, beyond our, our sin nature. It's going beyond our fleshly desires. The Bible tells us a, friend, a man that has friends must show himself what? Friendly. And, and it is we who must and intend to make that effort. Hey, I'm going to share the love of Christ. I'm let, letting the love of Christ. Maybe that, that failure to see the big picture has to do with God's miracles. Maybe it has to do with a failure to see the love of Christ and to share the love of Christ. Notice what also he was blind to. Not only was it uh, blind to the Lord himself, but he was blind to his debt. He was blind to his debt. In verse 39, the Bible says, And when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. You see, this is all he saw. Where Simon said, uh, uh, where the Bible says, and Simon saw, he spake within himself, if this man were a prophet, he saw the woman in her sin. In verse 44, that Jesus says, seest thou this woman? Yes, you're seeing this woman, but you're only seeing the sin. You're, fail you're failing to see the big picture. Sometimes with things, we can only see what we want to see. <laughs> we can only hear what we want to hear. Uh, we can only conclude what we want to conclude. And, uh, and it is because uh, of our failure to see the big picture that, we've, that we uh, are only seeing that far. And the result of that, in many ways, is our own pride. We've concluded that who we are and what we are and all that we are in life is, is all that is necessary. And my conclusion is, is the best conclusion, and, and I can only conclude but that. Uh, the Bible says in verse 40, look at what the word of God says. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. And we've read it already, but Jesus tells this parable, which deals with not the amount of sin, but rather the awareness of sin in, in, in uh, the heart. Um, it was a publican who's looking at this, uh, the, the debts that are being owed in a failure even to see his own debt, which he owed to God. The point is, is this, is that sometimes uh, we can be so quick to identify the wrongs or the reasons, whether it's a person or a, a, of an entity, maybe it's even within the church. We can be so quick to identify in our conclusion of what we believe something to be and fail to see that uh, we have things in our own life that, that we are indebted to God for. Um, May it not be said of us, well, younger so-and-so, they just need to, you know, pick their feet up and just start doing something, you know. We've already done our part. They're not doing a thing, you know. And it may it not be said of us that, uh, you know, well, I've already run my course. I've already done what I need to do. But that we would see and, and uh, see what God intends for us to see, that we have a debt to the Lord just as he has given to us, we must give back to him. Amen? Just as, uh, as Christ has uh, forgiven all mankind of our sins and all men are sinners, 
none of us are excluded from the amount of sin within our life. And so uh, may we not just write individuals off or write opportunities off or, or write God's intent off, uh, but may we consider what God desires to do. The Bible says in verse 42, and when he had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. You see, it was Simon uh, who, uh, had, who was failing to see his own spiritual bankruptcy. Uh, it, is, it is he who was in his own amount of debt, but failing to see, I, I'm the problem here. Yeah, Jesus is doing miracles, and Jesus is reaching this woman, and as a result of what he's done, it's, she's come to a saving knowledge of Christ, but I failed to see that. This is what he's not concluded. The Bible tells us he was blind uh, in his debt. He was blind to the Lord, but number three, he was blind to the sacrifice of this woman. He was blind to the woman's sacrifice. In verse, 40, uh, verse 44, the word of God says, And he turned to the woman and said unto him, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. It's God uh, who brings it back again to Simon to say, do you see all that this woman is giving? I mean, she's giving everything. It is um, history that tells us the, the equivalent amount, uh, potentially, of this alabaster box uh, would have been at least 300 pence. Uh, that would have been a, a day's wage in, in the Roman era, an equivalent to, a, 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 an equivalent to um, at least one pence would have been a day's wage. So you consider 300, you've got 300 days wages of work, equivalent value that she's pouring out. This was not just her finance. This was her, her livelihood that she'd sacrificed. Uh, this, was, this was everything that she'd sacrificed. You see, if this, if this uh, Pharisee had seen what God intended for him to see, from the very moment in which he invited Jesus into his home and that he had that time together, he, he would have given everything. Sometimes we can be, unfortunately, just as shallow as Simon was. Time which we spend to the Lord is, yes, Lord, you can come into my home, but I, I, sorry, these things are mine. These things I'm not willing to give. This is my time. I can't give you this time. These are, these are, my, these are my desires, the things that I want to do with my life. Sorry, these things are mine. It, it is God who I believe through this passage desires for us to see the sacrifice which this woman gave. Yes, we find a representation so much within that box and what she gave, and, and, and we find uh, how we should give also, but yet consider Simon's failure in his sacrifice, how that he could have given so much more. You know, that big picture, as we talk about it, failing to see that big picture, the reason why for something, that is when we say the big picture, the ultimate reason why, you know, the child asks, well, why, why can't I do these things? You know, why do you keep putting fences around my life? Why do I feel like I'm putting the fish bowl? And, and you, you have to set that child aside and, and instruct them and help them to understand, this is the reason why. I put the fence by the road so that you don't run out in the road and get run over. You know, uh, That's the reason why. Uh, but that big picture, why is it that God has 
brought the things into our lives. Why is it that God has you here right now as a part of Niles Baptist Church for this time and for this season in your life? Uh, whether your children have, have grown out of your home and, and God has allowed you and your spouse to be here, what is the big picture? What, what now? Is it just simply to, yes, Jesus, I'll come to your house. Yes, I'll spend time with you. Yes, I, 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 will, I will give uh, my, my time to you when it is expected of me, but that's it. Or is it so much to the extent of sacrifice? Or is it so much to the extent that uh, we would say, Lord, I owe it to you. I have so much more to give you. I have a debt which I owe. Or is it to such an extent that, uh, that we, would, we would even be able to see, Lord, I'm seeing that you desire to do something. We're seeing the Lord himself working. You see, again, it's seeing the Lord, it's seeing our debt, and it's, and it's seeing the sacrifice, the sacrifice which we are responsible to God to give. Um, I'm not that old, but the older I get, the more I realize each day is I have so much more to give to God than I'm giving. I, I really could give to God more in my family, uh, through my family, I can give to God more in my own personal, individual life. I can give to God more in, in my time, in my talents, and in my treasures. Uh, in all every part of my life, am I giving to God the best of what I have? As even as we looked this morning, it's Paul who said, uh, the, "The only opinion that really matters is God's opinion." I'm not going to worry about even what I have on this earth because someday we will all stand before God and give an account whether or not we have been a good and faithful servant, of whether or not we have seen in this uh, context tonight the big picture. Has the big picture been in our mind entirely the, the whole time? Oh, the temptation in, in the Christian life is to, you know, work the job, uh, make a living, you know, enjoy the time with our family, and, you know, when I, when I come to a certain point in life that I'm not able to do it, well, I've, I've done all that I could do. But there, there, we can never do enough. To fulfill that debt, Amen. There's always more which we can do. The, the, the challenge tonight is this: Do we see the big picture? Let's pray, Lord. We ask that you.